Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT Thomas from KT's Money Matters, coming to you to talk to you about your quips and tips and financial ideas and how to make money and save money and maybe even grow money. And, you know, I got to tell you right now, we're going to talk about how we don't shrink money. So I think probably most of the people that listen to this podcast are kind of paying attention a little bit to what's happening in the world and so the market's been, you know, somewhat in a little bit of a free fall. In fact, today, stocks are down about 2%. And so we thought this would be an appropriate time to talk about staying the course and figuring out what you should do in volatile markets. I've asked Tammy Simon, CFP, cohort and partner in my practice, New Day Solutions, to talk to me and talk to you a little bit about market volatility and how you might want to address this. Tammy, thanks for joining me. Hello, hello, KT. Thanks for having me. So, you know, you know, and I know it's kind of human nature, right? I always say that everyone's telling me when the market's going up how, how growth-oriented they are and how they never worry about it and how it's all good. And then when the markets start to fall apart, they're like, well, I didn't think you meant like this. Maybe I should sell everything and put it in cash. <laughs> so um, we all know that, you know, I think, what do you think? I think everybody knows that Buying high and selling low might not make you any money, but people do it all the time. So let me ask you something. Do you have yeah. any ideas to help people kind of, first of all, stay calm and invest along, and then also how to you know, manage volatility so it doesn't take them over? Yeah, you know, I think this is a really hot topic because I, uh, you know, the mar- with the market conditions the way they, they are, uh, clients are calling in and they're, they're, what do we do? I want to sell. I want to go to cash. And, and like you said, it's, it's, it's human nature. You know, when something goes wrong, your instinct tells you get out. And that's, that's pretty much that's what right. people want to do in the, the stock market. They, on just fire, they say leave. Get out. Right. So, uh, yeah. And, and we all feel that we all feel the, you know, the market is going ga- down, the, the fear of it going down e- even further. How do I know? Maybe I should just get out now just in case. And so this whole, I think this, this is a great conversation to have right now because it's the complete opposite in finances. Your instincts aren't what you should be doing. So when, you, when, some, when the market's going down and you want to sell out, that's the wrong time to do it. So what I always say to clients is, you know, we get to know each other. You know, if they're new and they're coming into this office and they say, I'm fine with risk. And then they're the first people that call me on the phone and say, ah, what's going on? Why is the market down 10%? I got to tell you, they're not fine with risk. If they're the first people on the phone calling me uh, on a 
on a 10% decline in the market. So, you know, it's, it is scary and I won't minimize that, but I, I will say that if you're okay with risk, then you need to be okay with the, with these, you know, these emotional downturns or, or whatever it shall be and wait out that time. So when new clients come in, you know, the things that we talk about are, you know, tell me a little bit about your risk and what risks that you've taken in the past and how you've managed these downturns. Are you okay with it? And if they say, you know, I'm fine, I don't even look at it, then, uh, you know, that's where we go. We, we talk about time horizons. So what is the objective for this money? Is this money that's going to, you're going to need within five years for maybe a college education or is it going to be money that you're going to need 10, 20 years out? And, and knowing that piece of it is a, a big part of taking on risk and, and being able to weigh out the, the uh, downturns of the market. So those are really the three, the three big things is uh, knowing what your objective is on the money, knowing what, how you are with risk and how long your money has to, to last until you need to start accessing it. So those are all good points. You know, people, what we're talking about here is, you know, the money that you have that you think you might use in a short period of time should be invested differently than the money you think you might use for retirement 20 years from now. I mean, frankly, if I'm like a young consumer and I'm saving in a 401k and I don't have a lot of money there, but I'm putting money in every single month, I actually don't mind a little volatility. I mean, let it roll, let it pitch and let it roll. Let me dollar cost average in which is, you know, uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about dollar cost averaging for people that don't know what it is. You know, it's the idea that if you invest the same amount of money all the time and the market goes up and down and up and down, you might actually acquire more shares at a cheaper price just because you stuck to your discipline and you didn't do anything to break it. And so if you're a long time away from your money, it's very different than if you're living off your money. If you're in retirement today and, you know, you're living on your income, you've got to ask yourself, you know, if the market if the market falls apart 10%, 20%, God, we've seen, you know, we saw 50% 10 years ago. If the market corrects like that, am I still going to be all right? Or is that more risk than I should be taking at this juncture in my life? But the time to call it is not in the middle of the sell-off. Right. Time to call it is actually when you're not afraid, right? At the, you know, when things are good and you can't imagine how it could ever be down 10%, that's actually the time to look at it. Yeah, that's a good point. So those those clients that are are nervous around this the downturns of the market, I usually make a a little note, you know, a little list in my head of who are the clients that called me because those are the clients that I'm going to call first when the market comes back up and when we're talking about risk and how much risk they're they're willing to take, that's the time to maybe become more conservative during with that money. It's not during the downturn. And I just think this year, you know, guys, you know, if you feel a little tricked by this market this year, here's what I'll say to you. Everybody does. I mean, this has been um, so far, you know, with today's action, this has been the year where there has been no place to make money and keep it. You know, that uh, U.S. stocks are now in negative territory for the year, but stocks overseas, Europe and emerging markets have been down for the year so far. Gold has been down this year. Even bonds have been down this year. There has been no real good place to get to squeak out any return. So you're basically, you know, the grid is red. And, and in the, at the same time, you know, there's solid employment, jobs are good, consumers feel good, everybody's spending money. And so when you look around the US economy, you're like, 
what? Things seem pretty good. And then you look at the market and you go, but the screens are red and it's hard to measure what you see in your investments and what you see out your, out your uh, office window. And so this leads me to my favorite thing, because I always say, you know, Tammy, if I had a crystal ball, you and I could own a small island or maybe a couple <laughs> of small islands, maybe one for you and your family, one for me and my family, and we could just go live there and we would trade in absolute integrity all the time that it was, they were always selling at the right time and buying at the right time. But let's face it, everybody knows that people who say they are like that are lying to everyone else, That's right. that investors are wrong good investors are wrong about 30% of the time. So yeah, you yeah. have to be prepared that statistically speaking, you're going to buy some, you're going to buy some dogs. You're going to buy some things that didn't work out. That's one of the reasons why if you're, if you're not willing to do a lot of research and not really willing to do a lot of time, your, your odds are less than 70%. So you're much better off using something like, you know, a targeted fund, even though it costs a little bit more, but what it does is it protects you from you. So, you know, there are all kinds of investments out there, people that are doing it themselves that are not really paying attention that buy a stock because everybody else bought it and their friends at, at such and such said, buy this. You know, those people have no reason to assume that it will be good for them because professional investors are wrong about 30% of the time. So the reality is I buy one stock, I have very little experience and that stock goes up. You know, I call that luck. That's not skill, that's luck. And I'm glad yeah. you're lucky, but winning a lottery ticket is lucky too. But it doesn't mean it's a repeatable process that you can do it again and again. So these kind of markets shake out people that are not that are not buy and hold. They meaning they're not investors, they're not buying something, hoping to hold it for the long term, but they're trying to buy and sell and they're trying to trade their way. And the reality is um, markets eat people like that for lunch. And these kind of markets, if you know. If you're sitting there going, what should I do next? And I don't know how to trade this. And what should I be doing next? The reality is you probably shouldn't have been trading it in the first place. I mean, this is really like people say, well, why do I need an advisor? Or why do I need, a, you know, even an algorithm like a betterment or whatever? It's because they take the choice of the dumb things you'll do to hurt yourself from you. That's right. And a lot of times people, people just get hurt kind of trading against the market, like, like with fear not so much greed, although greed can definitely hurt people, but fear hurts people more than greed. At least that's what I think because they, it makes them do gut check reactions and then they're out before the next day. I mean, if you look at stats of you know the worst days and what happens the next day, you'll know that most of the time that you decided to sell on the worst day, statistically speaking, it's a mistake. Once in a while, you're right. But again, you know, even a blind squirrel can find a nut. Yeah, pe people acting on fear is there's usually a reason for it, and it's and it's too late at that point. And uh, yeah, people don't uh, fear the market when the market's doing really well, and that's really when they need to to sell out. So it's a good point. And you know that you made another good point around the um, the passive accounts or, or the the retirement accounts, I should say, those target funds um, protecting clients against themselves. You know, those are are passive accounts and such that the client's not going to be um, be trading on it and and you know you don't have an advisor trading on it but the the uh, manager the money manager mutual fund manager is trading on it 
but it's uh, sticking with a, a solution of you know keeping a certain percentage in stocks and a certain percentage in bonds and then and then acting on it accordingly so in a sense that even though it's being actively managed that manager has to stay within guidelines of that mutual fund um, and it's a it's a core investment it's a great investment for people that you know are, are looking for a very passive way i'm gonna put it here and i'm not going to look at it yeah i always say it's like that chicken you know it's set it and forget it yeah you put it in you let the target allocation do its job and you go back to your life and your job and you leave it alone and you let the manager decide within boundaries you know obviously if you pick a target allocation the manager can't just decide to throw all the money in stock versus say bonds or cash or real estate or all the other asset categories they might be able to so there's some parameters there to make sure that they stay kind of within your target you know there's also active mutual fund managers which you know I think it's not that I'm a frequent lover and user of active mutual funds, but I do like them for asset categories where it's really hard to index. Um, I think indexing has been like uh, stealing the lunch from active managers for about 10 years. And, and the ETFs have become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And it's been more and more difficult for active managers to provide a level of return over what they could have gotten if they had just went passive. But markets like this, I would argue se separates the wheat from the chafe because you know four years ago all you had to do was put it in the s p and just leave it alone but now that rotation out of certain kinds of stocks that are still very highly represented in the s p into other stocks or the nasdaq it's like that rotation is happening and all of a sudden what'll happen is it'll start to lag against you know your big ideas and so passive investing means just that you're going to own the index and whatever's in the index is what you're going to own. So as things in the index, like today, 25% of the S&P 500 is technology stocks, which have been getting, I don't know, hammered. I love a lot of these mm. technology names too. I don't mean to say that I think they're bad and I'm selling them all because I'm not. But if you go in it thinking it's going to be a diversified portfolio because you think 500 companies, this has got to be diversified. And you should know there are only 385 companies in the S&P 500 right now, which is kind of crazy. I know because it's not in the name, but, but the reality is 25% of those are technology companies. So unless you're really thinking about wanting to have 25% of all your money in technology, then maybe it's not okay to throw it all in the S&P 500. Maybe the onus is on you if you're going to do passive investing to pick different indexes to make sure that you're getting a broad array of investments or pay an active manager or pay an advisor or pay um, like an algorithm like Betterment or however you think about doing it in some way to provide you with a broad portfolio because the people that usually take the biggest beatings in this market are the people that own all the hot stuff and nothing else. It's very true. Because when the market kind of cools, it's the hot stuff that, that sells off the hardest because they've, you know, the higher you go, the farther you can fall and people still don't feel too bad about it perfect example today, Apple, you know, Apple, a, a sweetheart of the market, you know, down 4% Friday, down another 2% today. It's down something like 17% from its high. So, I mean, you really got to be okay with getting hammered hard if you're going to put all your money in a handful of stocks or all your money in one sector. And so if you know that you can really not open your statement and not check your balance online every day, 
and you really can leave it alone, then that's okay. But what I found, I don't know, Tammy, about you, but I found most people aren't really capable of that. No, they're too feel they're too fearful, and I think that if they are able to leave it alone, then at a minimum, um, have mutual funds, have index funds that are automatically rebalancing, or hire an advisor to take a look at it for you and and manage it for you. Um, because the reality is, is you know, there's two sides to this. There's uh, one side that says, you know, um, don't don't act out of fear. Uh, don't get too aggressive and making rash decisions like that. But the other side is, if you do just put it in index funds and leave it there, like to your point, it becomes it can either become very aggressive or very conservative, depending on which way the market's going. So you want to keep it rebalanced right. and on and and consistently projecting in the way that your risk tolerance suggests you to. So so we'll go back to what is the original meaning for the the money. Yeah. When are you going to spend it? Are you going to spend it, you know, five years from now, or are you going to bank into it a year from now when you realize you tried to save more than you could really afford? And now you've got credit card debt and you're like, should I sell my investment and pay my credit card off? And I'm like, well, you know, if you just lost 10% on your investment and you're paying 15% on your credit card bill, then, you know, it's a no win situation. It doesn't even matter which way you go because right. both of them are bad. And so you shouldn't, you know, have your money in the market that you think you're going to spend in six months or a year or even a couple of years. And you always want to think about like having your safe cash reserve where you can get to it without needing this money. So if you need this money for January's tuition bill that's coming up, it's a mistake because you just never know what's going to happen at that point in time. You have to have so much of your money not in the market for your short-term goals. And by short-term, I mean, you know, three years for some of us, you know, you might own bond funds for some of that money. You might own cash, you might own CDs, but you wouldn't own stocks knowing that these kind of markets can happen. And they do happen, in fact. You know, Tammy, I miss the days, and I'm sorry, guys, I'm just going to say this. I miss the days when the S&P corrected 10% every year and 5% at least twice every year because it kept people honest. Yeah. You could ask them about risk and they actually knew what it felt like. But the last five years, it's done nothing but go straight up. I feel like it's caught people off guard when they, they're like, oh, it's that risk thing again. I had forgotten how bad this can feel when it's happening. <laughs> it's so very true. It's so very true. When you have a really great year like last year, and then you have a year like this year where it's, it's hard to, to earn any money. When you, you know, in January, you made, you made a lot of money, and then you gave it back, and then it flattened out throughout, throughout the, the year until the end of September and then you made some more money and then you gave that back. It's, it's tough. It's yeah. tough coming off of really great years of the market. Yeah. Cause you think it, you almost feel entitled to them. That's right. You know, like we had a great year last year, nothing's really changed. Therefore we'll have a great year this year, except that, you know, every company now has to exceed earnings based on what it did last year. So the bar for them to wow you into giving them even more money is higher than it was last year. That's right. And so there are some, you know, there are some fundamental changes happening with interest rates and the economy. And it's not like, it's not like there aren't some, you know, kind of early warning signs that market conditions may be shifting. But I just think when the market goes straight up like that, people don't want to sell because they don't want to pay capital gains. They'd rather wait because they don't want to miss the next rally. And, you know, you get greedy about it, how you might get a lot more if you just wait a little while longer. Um, so who should sell right now? 
you think you need your money by January for January tuition payments, as an example. Your kid's in college and you know you've got another big bill and you've got to sell that money out of the market. You should be thinking about um, how you approach that. You might want to be thinking about that now. Do I think the market could come up some between now and the end of the year? Here's what I'll say to you. If I had a crystal ball, Tammy and I, we would be on islands where we could take a little boat back and forth, our family on one and my family on another. And uh, it doesn't work like that, right? So if you know you need money for January, and I think anybody can see now that markets are becoming less stable than they were, say, a year ago, I might take that money out despite the fact that I don't like the price because at least I know what I'll get and I'll have it for January. Would you agree? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, taking the risk off the table altogether for something that short term, absolutely. But long term, no, absolutely not. So, yeah, no. um, in yeah. fact, you know, this is when you, you know, I'm not sure you'd go dumping money in the market. Don't get me wrong. I don't think, but I do think that there are sides of the market that are starting to feel a little cheap and there's some opportunity to maybe pick up some sectors and some areas of the market where you might be very happy long term. Um, now that it's had, you know, now that it's had a reasonable pullback, you have a better entry price. And, you know, I'm sorry, I don't yet mean Apple even though, you know, it's had a really nice pullback. The bottom line is it's actually still in the black for the year. So is Amazon, so is Google, so is, you know, so is Facebook, even though they've had big pullbacks, they're actually still worth more than they were worth in January, but they're rare. There are lots and lots of companies out there that have had, you know, a big pullback in this and, you know, you could have some room. Yeah. Keep in, keep in check with your, your overall visions. You know, I, I've had multiple conversations with clients lately where they're looking at the volatility, they're questioning the, the, the amount of risks that they're taking. And, you know, we really kind of have to just go back to the, to the, the overall vision of what that money is for and how we want to see it grow or not grow short term versus long term. And so, yeah, all good, all good advice, KT. And so I'm going to give you one last point of advice um, if you're listening. You, first of all, it's not all or nothing. So if there's um, 100% of your portfolio that could be allocated in a whole bunch of ways, and let's just say that you're currently 80% stocks and you're kind of rethinking, should I have that much risk on the table? You could decide to be 70% stocks. You don't have to go all the way to zero and you don't have to go all the way to 100. There are a whole bunch of allocations in the middle that frankly would serve you better over your lifetime that help you kind of trim or lean in, if you will, if you feel like there's more opportunity now because prices have come back to add, you know, where you might lean in and increase your exposure by 5% or decrease your exposure by 5%. It doesn't have to be the proverbial baby with the bathwater, which is, you know, to your original point, Tammy, it's like fear has people go, it's awful, change it all. And it's like, you don't need to change it all. You need to change your expectations and then make sure what you own will serve that. That's right. So I hope people in the Money Matters community found this update valuable. And I'd be interested in if you share your feedback or information, or you take even a minute if you like this podcast to uh, give us a rating on iTunes or now available on Spotify or a bunch of other different podcasting sites just because that helps people find us and it makes that, you know, that Apple algorithm magic really work for us. And I'm hoping that your account goes up from here as I'm hoping mine all do too. Don't get me wrong. I love an up market. I'm just like everybody else, but you always have to have a plan B. You have to know what it is you're doing and why you're doing it 
and understand how it might react. We wish you all a, a happy Thanksgiving and till we meet again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.